0: Welcome back to the Living on Purpose podcast with Pastor John and Sam, and we are here with episode 32, and this is a deep dive. This is the deep dive. Deep dive. Here's the question. Is Calvinism or Arminianism a biblical truth? All right, so I want to be clear in this today. We're not going
1: to get in any sort of an extensive conversation about this. Uh, I was asked this question at lunch Uh this week and I felt like I needed to answer this question. It's something that has been debated and debated and debated over the years.
0: And so I want to give you just a few thoughts today on it. Okay. I hope that I'm going to learn a lot about this. (laughs) I just learned how to pronounce Arminianism. So,
1: All right. So Calvinism and Arminianism are two systems of theology that attempt to explain the relationship between God's sovereignty and man's responsibility in the matter of salvation. Calvinism is named after John Calvin. He was a French theologian who lived from 1509 to 1564. Arminianism is named for Jacobus Arminius, a Dutch theologian who lived from 1560 to 1609. So as you can see, these belief systems have been around for a while. Each one of them possesses basically five points or five tenets and Again, my intention is not to get into all of these in a deep sense. To be honest with you, this could be a study that would take a long time. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just giving to you an overview of these things, okay? And so I'll give one of Calvinism and then the opposite of Arminianism. So Calvinism believes in what is called total depravity. It's the idea that man is totally depraved, lost in his sins. He's unable to choose God. Every aspect of humanity is corrupted by sin. We do see this in Romans chapter 3 where the Bible is very clear in verse 10, there is no one that is righteous, not even one. It goes on to say, all have turned away, they have together become worthless. No one does what is good. And it goes on to talk about their throats being open graves, their tongues practicing deceit, the poison of vipers on their lips, their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. And so it's very, very clear that we are corrupt. Okay, so Arminianism believes in what's called partial depravity, this idea that we are tainted, but we're able to choose uh, what is right. So it's this idea of an intermediate state between depravity and salvation. So depravity would be someone who doesn't know Christ, they're lost in their sins. And of course, salvation is that moment when someone is justified from their sins, declared righteous by God, and now they're in the family of God. So Arminianism would believe in this uh, this second state or this intermediate state in between. So they call it partial depravity. That's the first uh, comparison of the two. The second one would be what's called unconditional election. This is the idea that God is the one who chooses people. God does this independent of man. We see this in Ephesians chapter 1 where it talks about we are chosen. It says in verse 4, he chooses us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. It talks about in verse 5, we are predestined to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his good pleasure in his will. It talks about all these things. In verse 11, it says, in him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him, who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. And it talks about all this in Ephesians chapter 1. So God does this independent of man. Arminianism believes in what's called conditional election. So instead of it being based on what God does, it's based on what God knows. God's foreknowledge. He knows all things. God is omniscient. And so what man does then is dependent upon God. In other words, God is the one who saves man, but man must respond to God. This is a conditional election of Arminianism. That's number two. Number three would be what is called limited atonement. Jesus died only for the elect. His blood was shed only for the elect. And so we think of atonement, the idea of atonement, we think back to the Old Testament and now in the New Testament era, we think of the animal sacrifice, the blood that was shed to cover up the sins of the person. Now we know that didn't literally happen, but it was an image of it. It was a foreshadowing what Jesus was to do. And so Jesus atoned for our sins at the cross. He literally made things right. We talk about this idea of propitiation that he appeased the wrath of God the Father that was pointed at us, he took that upon himself, limited atonement in Calvinism. Arminianism believes in what's called unlimited atonement. Jesus died for all. His death is effectual then by the faith of some. In other words, it's made operative in the sense by the person who chooses to believe. And so everyone uh, has the blood of Christ um, for them, but only some will actually activate it uh, and be saved. That's what Armenianism believes. That's number three. Number four is that God's grace is irresistible. When a person um, is drawn by God, they cannot resist it. Okay, mm. There's no chance that they can say no to God if God draws them unto himself to be saved. Arminianism believes in what's called uh, resisted grace. And sometimes this is called resisted. Um, Provenient grace, we'll talk about that in just a moment. But the idea that God calls all to salvation, everyone is called, but only some will choose him and some will resist him. And then the last one that I think um, is very, very clear in Calvinism, for sure, number five would be a person cannot and will not lose his salvation. There's some powerful points to this. It's really very, very clear throughout scripture. First Peter chapter 1 is one of my favorite passages where it says in verse uh, number three of chapter one, praise be to the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that shall never perish, spoil or fade. It's reserved. It's kept in heaven for you. There's several passages in the word of God that speak of eternal security. The reality of someone being bought by the blood of Christ someone sealed unto the day of redemption by the Holy Spirit. And so this is very clear. Arminianism believes in what's called conditional salvation, which is a person can deny Christ and in in reality lose their salvation. So it's the person, and there's a tension with this, right? Because we've all known people that claim to be saved and maybe gave some evidence of salvation, and maybe it was even over a period of time, and then eventually they deconstruct, That's a term right now in our culture that seems to be happening a lot. Or maybe over the course of a long period of time, they just walk away. They give up on God, give up on the church. And so the question is always, what do we do with that kind of person? Is that person, uh, do they lose their salvation? Did they ever have their salvation to begin with? Those are the kinds of questions that we deal with. I very emphatically believe you cannot lose your salvation based on what the Word of God says.
0: Okay. A lot of stuff, right? Yeah. It's like drinking from a fire hose right now. So.
1: <laughs> well, and the thing is, there's so much more we could talk about and study together, but this is a podcast, and mm-hmm. so we're just giving you bits and pieces of it. Maybe mm-hmm. at some point we'll preach on this. Mm-hmm. So, prevenient grace, let's talk about that for a minute. In the context of the ongoing Calvinism versus Arminianism debate, prevenient grace is referred to in order to object to the Calvinist doctrine of irresistible grace. This is the reason why in both modern and historic times, has also been called resistible grace or pre-regenerating grace. This is what I was talking about, about that intermediate period between someone living in their sins and someone actually being saved. This is what Arminian would say. Since denying the necessity of God's grace prior to a sinner's conversion is clearly against biblical teaching the non-Calvinist theological systems have to affirm a doctrine of grace that precedes a person's exercising of saving faith. Since non-Calvinists do not believe the saving grace of God always results in the sinner coming to Christ, Christians down through the ages have referred to a type of grace that they call prevenient. Okay, so the point of this is, is that an Arminian would say that the Holy Spirit draws someone to themselves but that person can say no to God. They don't have to be saved. Where a Calvinist would say, if you're drawn to God, you will not reject God. Hmm. So simply put, uh, prevenient grace is the grace of God given to individuals that releases them from their bondage to sin and enables them to come to Christ in faith, but does not guarantee that the sinner will actually do so. You understand the point? Like, yeah. It's the person who, they understand it. They're drawn to God but they're choosing not to give their hearts to Jesus mm-hmm. that's what uh Armenian would say mm-hmm. thus the efficiency um, of the enabling grace of God is determined not by God but by man and so that's that's kind of a, a difficult thing to think about right like what they're saying is is that ultimately man makes this final decision so there's a lot we could talk about with this uh, I think you can tell clearly by what I'm teaching and speaking on right now, that I would lean in a Calvinistic sense, biblically speaking. Now, that may scare some of you and it may shock some of you even, uh, but it's important to understand that God is the one who's the source of all things. He is sovereign. Now, I have some issues with Calvinism. I'll speak to that at the end. Um, So let's get into the meat and potatoes part of this. Okay. All right. So what should we do with this kind of a debate? I think we should reject it. Oh, really? I mean, okay. how many times have I ever talked about Calvinism versus Arminianism in a church gathering? How many times have you ever heard me talk about it? Maybe two times.
0: Yeah, maybe in
1: mentioning it, yeah. but we But don't, you
0: haven't dove deep into it.
1: No, and we're not going to. Okay. I've had people come and sit in my office, and they're like, they want me to take a stand in this area, and I tell them, I refuse to do that. Hmm. There's certain things that I believe, but there's certain things that are more disruptive than they are edifying to the church of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And so that's the answer that I would give to why we should reject it. It's been the source of controversy and disunity more than any other debate in my lifetime. That's I, huge. I really believe that too. Yeah. I've seen people that wanna fight to the ends of the earth for one or the other, and they don't even understand the total viewpoint of either one. And the reality is they may hold to one or the other. But they're not even living the way that we're called to live as believers in Jesus, as members of a New Testament church. They're not serving. They're not impacting. They're not loving. And so that's why I think there's some things, obviously, that we would believe here at Emmanuel. But there's a lot of things here that are just not worth arguing. So what do we need to know and believe? Okay, here's what I would say to you. And this is my ultimate viewpoint of this debate, because let's get into what I think is the most debated part of this. And that is the unconditional election, the idea that someone who's drawn by God is going to be saved no matter what, and some people are not going to be drawn by God, and in essence, are going to go to hell. And that becomes an emotional debate, right? Mm -hmm. Here's what I would say to that, okay? Sovereignty and free will are a mystery from God, and they're both happening. They just are. Mm. Sometimes we want to lean on one or the other, and you cannot lean on one or the other. You must look at both of them as being important to the process. Okay, so in Calvinism, the point is God is sovereign. God is sovereign. God is sovereign. And I would say amen, absolutely. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. In Arminianism, they're not going to debate that God's sovereign, but the focus a lot is on man. Man does this. Man focuses on this. Man comes to Jesus. Man wins people to Christ, all these different things. And there's some truth to that and some error mixed in with that, okay? And so let's look at what the Bible says to prove my point. Second Peter 3, 8 through 10, the Bible says, But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Hmm. It's pretty powerful, isn't it? Especially the word everyone. Everyone. It sticks out to me. John three sixteen. we know the verse, right? Mm-hmm. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved, what's the word? The world. The world. God loves everybody. That cannot be denied. The Bible's very clear in this, mm-hmm. okay? And so we would look at this reality and we think, well, you know, that, that answers it, you know, Calvinism is wrong and God died for everyone. Yes, but then the Bible also says in John 6 and verse 44, no one can come to God, no one can come to Jesus. He's talking about himself. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them and I will raise them up at the last day. What's Jesus saying? Nobody comes to salvation without being drawn by God. You don't do it in your own power. There's nothing good in you that's going to draw you to God. You don't do it of your own volition. That's not a reality. Hmm. And so what you're seeing here is you're seeing the reality of free will and sovereignty working together. You see it throughout Scripture where a person comes to Christ. They choose to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior, but they could not have chosen Jesus unless The Holy Spirit, the Father, the Son did not draw them to God. And so it's a mystery. I like to use the illustration of the coin. Take a coin. There's two different sides, but how many coins are there? There's one coin. One coin, two different sides. Hmm. And so free will and sovereignty are like a coin. Two things, but they're both on the same coin. Now, what is bigger and stronger? Well, clearly sovereignty is. If you could see what I'm doing right now, I'm holding up my fist. That's the free will of man. And then I'm putting my hands in a big circle around my fist. That's the sovereignty of God. God is God. We are not. He's Mm. in control of all things. Mm. By the way, before you begin to say, well, that's not fair that God would do this or that, be careful that you don't say that because God is God. He can do what he wants to do. Mm. Uh, He makes the rules. It's his standards. Okay, So remember that. But the reality is, is that free will is within the sovereignty of man. But there is this beautiful and mysterious, I believe, interplay between sovereignty and free will working together. It's a mystery. You say, well, I want to understand everything. Well, that's not how it's going to be. Romans 11 talks about who can know the mind of the Lord. Mm -hmm. He's way above what we're thinking and what we're trying to accomplish. And so as a result, this is what I would say. Do not debate what the Bible makes very clear. Okay, so some of the extremes of Calvinism is what is called hyper-Calvinism. The idea that, well, since people are going to be saved, we don't have to witness to them. God's just going to save them in his sovereignty, his own power. But that rejects the Great Commission in Matthew 20, 19 through 21, where Jesus very clearly, before he ascends to heaven, he tells his disciples to do what? To make disciples, Mm -hmm. to go to teach to baptize, make disciples. So we're told to do that. Also, I already read the verses in first Peter, it is it is wrong theologically to believe that you can lose your salvation. So I think the reality is when I see someone walk away from God and they permanently walk away from God, and sometimes it takes time to see if that's permanent or whether that that's just a phase of life. We like to call it being backslidden. sometimes it's not my you know place to judge or to determine whether they're really saved or not, but I really believe, when someone walks away, that they truly demonstrate over time that they were never really saved to begin with. Mm. It's a tough thing to think about, but that's really the reality. So there's certain things that are very clear in God's Word, but there are some things that are not very clear. And I would say let it go. There are mysterious realities that we can just leave with Christ. And I would tell you, these things, many of these things, have a zero impact on our practice as disciples of Jesus. And so, yes, I would leave toward a direction of being Calvinistic theologically. But if you look at our ministry here at Emmanuel, it almost looks more Arminianism in the sense that we're doing a lot of outreach and we're aggressively pursuing people. And so I think we got a great balance of the doctrine, I would say, of Calvinism and some of the practice of Arminianism. And I would also say that both belief systems have issues. Mm. And so for us, it's really important not to get hung up in every point but just to understand that God is sovereign. We, we're we not robots. We are out there to do the will of God. We have choices that we can make. We have free will. And somehow that free will works within the sovereignty of God in this
0: majestic interplay that only God can truly understand. Good. Wow. I am going to go back and listen to this episode many times because that was a lot. It, it was, was a lot. It was really great. And at the end there, you said... Um, about free will, if we can turn our free will and do God's will with that, I think that would be just a sweet spot to be in. Amen. L- yeah. Living our lives. Exactly. We are to honor the Lord.
1: And as we honor the Lord, his will, our will become the same thing. It's, it's Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you, he will make the desires of your heart, and his desires, the same thing. I believe that. Yeah, that's great.
0: Wow. Well, thank you for sticking with us through this deep conversation, and we hope you'll listen to it again and unpack that a little bit more. If you have another question you'd like to ask Pastor John, you can email him, john at weareemmanuel.life, and we will talk about your question on a future episode. Thanks for listening.